When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and this is our Monday Orange and Brown Talk podcast and today it's part two of the roundtable we did with our Football Insider subscribers last Thursday night. If you missed part one, that ran here on this feed on Friday. Today we talk about contention windows, we talk a little bit more about the draft and we answer a whole bunch of other questions from our Football Insider subscribers. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, you know you've got to go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get more information and to get all signed up. Okay, so here we go, our Monday podcast, part two of our roundtable featuring Doug Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Tim Bielek, Ellis Williams, and me, and of course, our football insiders. We got a whole bunch of hands raised here, so we're going to start getting to some questions, and I'm going to start with Rich Smith. I'm going to ask you to unmute, and when you're ready, you can go ahead. Hey, guys. I really feel like uh, the... The most urgent short-term need is cornerback. Uh, and I could see I, – I foresee the uh, Browns being really aggressive if, let's say, the top three go in the top three cornerbacks in the top 18. Then I can see them being aggressive to moving up. But if it gets down to 26 and, let's say, the top five cornerbacks uh, are, are gone, I see them either – picking best player available or trading down as Ellis says and get more picks or, um, you know, sa- saving those picks as Mary Kay had sort of said to maybe get a second or third year cornerback from another team uh, with a, maybe a fourth round pick. What, what do you guys think about that? How aggressive do you want them to be? I guess guys, if there is like a guy you really want, how aggressive do you want them to be? Ellis, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I think Farley is the only one that would really intrigue me and, and make me push for a trade up or using some of that extra ammo. Anyone who listens to me knows that it, it, the draft's about traits. This game of football is about traits. And he's one of the guys that would has those traits worthy of moving up for. I'm in full agreement with Ellis. I think if Farley doesn't fall into the, tw- into that trade range, I'm not, I mean, I'd trade up for Farley. I'm not trading up for Greg Newsom. And that's not a knock against Newsom, but that's just that's more of an indication that Farley's just that much better. The other thing about being aggressive in this draft is what you don't want to do, in my opinion, is you don't want to mortgage your future. Because as you move forward in the next couple of years, you are going to have to start thinking about replacing the Jarvises and the Odells. So you certainly don't want to give up a first round pick for next year or a first round pick in the year after, or really any of those really premium picks, because it is going to start being time uh, to replace some of your pro bowlers, some of your stars. And actually that was one of the things that I was going to bring up. One of the crazy things that has gone through my mind. And I I will end up sharing it on on this because I I would love to hear what you guys think. Aggressive to a point. I would go up some maybe, 
into the into the teens if there's something there that you really want. But I would definitely not mortgage the future because you're going to want those first round picks over the next few years. So I was just double checking here something real quick. Last year, San Francisco traded up from 31 to 26. So they moved up five spots to get a guy they wanted. They gave up a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder Mm -hmm. to move up five spots late. So if the Browns want to move from 26 to 22 to get a guy that they really like, that they're worried isn't going to get to them. I I don't think it, I mean, would it, I don't know, would it maybe cost you a third rounder at the most? I mean, if that, and they have an extra third rounder, right. They have the extra third rounder. If you want to dangle the extra third rounder, if that's like your ammo to get, Oh man, we really got a guy that we want. And it's here we are at, we're at pick 21 and he's on the board. Let's go up and get him. And we'll use the third rounder to do it. That I'm okay with beyond that. I agree with Mary Kay. Uh, let's go to Mark Wilson. I'm going to ask you to unmute. And when you're ready, you can go ahead. And Mark, I kept wanting to call you Mac Wilson. So <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, hey, uh, a quick question, a two-parter. Um, number one, I hear these, everyone talking about a two-year window. And if you all could comment on what that really means, a two-year window for the Browns, I'm thinking, oh, we've been waiting this long. I need more than a two-year window. And then uh, part B is uh, with the draft being one week from today, has the PD team gotten their assignments for uh, next Thursday yet? And if you have, what, what will you be doing? Well, let's do the second one first real quick. I actually think the first question is a really good one. Uh, let's do the second one first. I will be sitting right here in my lovely basement, watching the draft, waiting for Brown's Zoom calls to, uh, to go, get underway. I think that's what a lot of us are going to be doing, honestly. <laughs> we'll have the draft I'm, I'm, downtown I'm, covered. Ellis? I'm, I'm going downtown the first night. The Browns are trading back, not drafting. We're not working. <laughs> Ellis is going to risk it. <laughs> Andrew Bear is going to be like, Andrew Bear is going to say, well, we were going to take this guy at 26, but we found out Ellis was downtown, so we traded back. We're all doing different things. We're going to do instant reacts, instant takes on the, on the first pick. Uh, we're going to be doing probably – some kind of a, a zoom. I don't know. Have we decided, Dan, are we, I think we're going to, we're going to try and record a podcast live as the Browns pick. Okay. So So, yeah, we've got all kinds of things planned. We've got, you know, we'll be doing takes columns, podcasts, you know, our usual array of things. At some point I want to go downtown and and be just in the thick of it and just kind of get a, get the feel for it. This is such a historic event going on in Cleveland. And I'm, so disappointed that it's happening in a year when we have to worry uh, about the virus because, you know, you just want to enjoy the excitement of it all. And I even went to a, a Miles Garrett event today and you just have that feeling in, in the, in the back of your head, like, like, am I safe right now? Am I doing the right thing? It's, it's, it's a little bit nerve wracking, a lot nerve wracking, actually. Uh, you know, I wish we could all just be there. And, and be a part of it. And I wish every fan could be a part of it. Uh, un- unfortunately, that's not the case, but somehow I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I, I want to see it. I want to experience it live because I think it is just so darn cool that it's here. Let, let's get to this contention window question, because I, I think it's a really interesting question. So I, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure where you heard the, the two-year contention window, but I do think there's, I guess there's kind of layers to it. Like if Baker Mayfield is a franchise game-changing quarterback, if he plays like he did after Thanksgiving, 
or 16 games, and this is who Baker Mayfield is going to be the rest of his career. Your window's wide open for a long time. But I can understand if you're saying you've kind of got this mini window here where the way the roster is built, you can spend a little extra money. You can have two $15 million wide receivers. You can pay Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. You know, I mean, Clowney might end up making double-digit millions this year with incentives. To me, it's just more of like how you keep that window open. So right now they're in this, this spot where all their young players are pretty cheap. And so they can sort of build a contending team differently than they will when they start paying Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett's extension is fully kicked in and, and all of that. That's sort of how I view it. So they're kind of in this window right now where they can sort of spend a little bit and be aggressive in that sense. But then they're going to find a different way to keep the window open long term. But I, I think it's definitely more than just a two year window. So you added a word in, in there, Dan, that the questioner didn't say. Oh, They just said two-year window. You said two-year contention window. And I think that gets to the heart of what do you mean by two-year window? I'm going to reference the Seattle Seahawks, which is who I've referenced a million times over the years for this. With Russell Wilson, they made the Super Bowl, winning one of them, should have won two, with Russell Wilson in year two and year three of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has been in the league for nine years. They've made the playoffs eight of nine years with Russell Wilson, but they actually had their best chance to win a Super Bowl right away with him because they had the Legion of Boom. They had all these expensive defensive guys and they haven't been able to maintain them over the year. The contention window for the Browns is wide open for as long as your mind can imagine it. It's not going anywhere for a decade, I don't think. They've got the right people in place running the franchise. The Super Bowl window, I think it's very possible the best chance of a Super Bowl window is right now, based on everything Dan just said. But how good have the Seahawks been for the last six years? You know, they, they win double-digit games every year. They're right in the thick of it. Does anyone go into a season thinking the Seahawks are the best team in football? No, but they're right there. So like that's how I'm thinking of this, but Super Bowl window, I might agree with the idea of it might be in the next two years. Best chance. You can still pop up and get one, but they're going to be good for a long time. I was going to say, you, Doug kind of stole my thunder a bit talking about the Seahawks in a different way because when Baker's getting that big contract, you're going to have to find other ways to keep that window open, and that's by finding cheaper options to help your quarterback out, and Seattle did that. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, both homegrown receivers, both very good receivers, now, if they could, if the Browns would have to hit on some of those guys of their own to keep the window going along with some defensive guys. But as long as you got the quarterback and if you got enough big impact players on the other side, you can find some gems in the draft. Like Doug said, it's as open as you want it to be. Yeah. When, when you get to this point and you have a, a good organization that knows how to uh, have sustained success and can continue to add talent to the team the future just looks very, very bright. I mean, they, this is an organization that you can anticipate will put a contending team on the field for years and years to come. So I think fans can get excited about that. But I think we, ha we have all been saying lately that, uh, you know, this is their, you know, their little prize pig that they're taking to the fair. Uh, this is the team that, you know, that they are, trotting out there to try to win, win a Super Bowl. You know, I don't think it's necessarily just a two-year window, but I do think when you've got Miles at his peak, Baker should be at his peak now, and a, and a number of other players 
some of them just coming into their own. But when you've got your two first overall picks in the prime of their career, that's when you're supposed to, to try to get to the Super Bowl. So let me add in one thing real quick as we're teasing things we're going to write. I've been rattling this around in my head. I don't know if other people have done it. I don't really care, but I've, I've been trying to come up with the name. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to call them my, the code rankings. I wanted to call them the core rankings, but I can't find an R word. So the code rankings will be coach, offense, defense, executive, and it's four people. And I'm going to evaluate the four people. The, the, the offense is the quarterback. The defense is your best core defensive player. And then your coach and your executive, because frankly, when you have pillars of a team, it's hard to have much more than that. The salary cap doesn't let you really have eight core players for a long time. The Seahawks have done it with Russell Wilson, with Bobby Wagner, with Pete Carroll, with John Schneider. When you think about the Browns that way, when you think about Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, Andrew Barry, and Kevin Stefanski, I think they will be very high in my code rankings. And that's why your window will stay open. As Tim said, as Mary Kay saying, you've got to fill in everybody else around it because your core can't be super huge. But thinking of those four people, I would take those four people that the Browns have and put them up, you know, all right, I get it, Patrick Mahomes, but against almost anybody in the league. And that's why they're in good shape long term. Yeah. What Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski ensure is that the bottom will never fall out of this from this organization you know they're not going to turn into the Houston Texans never say never but you know that I get worried saying anything longer than four years in this league uh the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018 let's keep that in mind where Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz who was their quarterback who was their quarterback who was their quarterback yeah 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 no let's continue on that so that is what the two to wrap up the two-year window point what that is in entailing is the luxury auxiliary items around your quarterback Jarvis Landry Odell Beckham Jr. even Sheldon Richardson for example Sammy Watkins made 30 million dollars over the past two years playing for the Kansas City Chiefs he caught about like 40 balls for 600 yards he wasn't worth that 30 million was he but the Chiefs could do it because they weren't paying anybody yet now you see Sammy Watkins sign for one year and five million in in Baltimore because that's what he's worth but they were like, hey, we can do this. Luxury auxiliary items. If Baker is, we can just say Russell Wilson, but you know, the list goes on of the Mahomes, Rogers, Watson, Jackson, J- Josh Allen, those type of universal problem solvers, then that window is Seahawks like because the difference between Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, or Jimmy Garoppolo is what the definition of a franchise quarterback is. Are they good enough to get you there once? Yeah. All right, cool. But the best way to ensure an eventual Super Bowl is to have like the draft, have as many darts to throw at that board as possible. Cause maybe Patrick Mahomes gets concussed and misses the final 23 minutes of a playoff game. And all of a sudden you're in that position to take advantage of it. The other quarterbacks like Carson Wentz did not provide that sustainability. I don't know what, which one Baker is. He's progressing towards the top end of this league, that, towards that top 10. But that's the, the, the unknown. So the two-year window is based on the luxury items you're willing to put around your quarterback until you find out if he's just the complete universal problem solver, which there's like six in this league anyway. 
Uh, it's interesting you bring up the Eagles. And I, I think it's, you know, Mary Kay, you love that word cautionary tale. Let's not forget a few years ago, the Eagles were the model organization, right? Doug Peterson was a genius and the best up and one of the best up and coming coaches in football. And Howie Roseman was the next great GM. And now you see Eagles fans on Twitter. And I know you can't take too much stock in Twitter. They don't trust Howie Roseman to make any pick at this point. We've got, uh, we got three hands raised. Uh, so let's get to these three hands here before we go. We're going to go to Terry Cosma first, as soon as I ask you to unmute. Okay, my question is, is do we really think that Beckham is going to make it through a full year? Uh, and can we live with the other receivers? Or should we try to trade up some lower rounds to try to get a receiver pick in maybe the uh, second pick, have two picks in the second round or another pick in the third or something like that? I just worry that... Uh, our backfield defensively, we're, we're worried about injuries and who's going to do it. And I'm just not convinced also that the, that Beckham can make it through 17 games. <laughs> That's well, kind of the question hanging over this thing, right, Mary Kay? Yeah, it's, it's a valid concern. It's a valid concern. Once he started, he started out with that ankle injury here in Cleveland in that preseason game back in whatever year that was, 2016 or whatever. Uh, he's just had a series of leg injuries ever since then. Now, he looks great right now on social media. He is He's running uh, full go. He just looks tremendous. Uh, but you never really know. And both Jarvis and Odell are turning 29 this year. Uh, they've had both had some injuries, both coming off some recent surgeries. So, you know, it is time to start planning for life after those two guys. I wouldn't be opposed to taking a, a really good receiver in this draft. I wouldn't even be opposed to trading up to get one once again, as long as you're not giving up a first round pick. Uh, so it's an intriguing thing to think about. I would definitely do it. The other thing that I, I always have in the back of my mind, and I do not think this is going to happen. I just have to qualify this. I don't think this will happen. But if somebody did pick up the phone on draft weekend and want to trade for Odell, I think they would at least listen. Now, is anybody going to trade for a 29-year-old receiver coming off of a torn ACL that has a cap hit of like 14 some million dollars this year? Probably not. Probably not. The only way it happens is if Tom Brady goes to, to Jason Light and Bruce Arians and says, I have to have him. I've got to have him. He's the guy that I need to get us back to the Super Bowl this year. You know, it would have to be something like that. If something like that happens, then I could see them obviously drafting a wide receiver. But again, doubt it will happen. It's a good point, though, with Odell, because he has not really been healthy for a long time. And even when he played 16 games with the Browns, he was not healthy. Um, so that that is just sort of hanging over all of this, I think. And hopefully he'll be back and be the Odell we think he can be. But uh, who, who knows? Doug, were you going to add something there? No, I mean, it's like if you spin the receiver room one way, you could be like, I don't think Rashard Higgins is ever going to play. <laughs> And then if you spin it the other way, you could be like, oh, no, they don't have enough receivers. So, like, I think, you know, like if your top four guy, I, I, I think they brought back all their top five guys. And I, and I think they like those five. And we saw them be fairly effective offensively without Odell last year. So while I think he is, you know, he turbocharges this offense, we saw that it wasn't a death 
it, it didn't kill him when he got hurt. So I think the I think the is a good point that the listener made, but it's not keeping me up at night. Let's head to Bud and see uh, see what he's got to say. Bud, when you can unmute yourself, go ahead. Okay, thanks. Just first on that good question that Mark Wilson uh, asked, I want to give you some background about Mark. Maybe you noticed he has that Bob Stoops Youngstown accent. Mark is in our club here in the Bay Area Browns backers. Okay. And his, he's the general manager and owner of the San Jose Giants, single A, and he worked hard to make that one of the best uh, minor league teams in, in the United States. Mark uh, also in his office at San Jose Municipal Stadium is like a shrine for Ohio State, Cleveland Indians, and Cleveland Browns. So uh, he, he, he's quite the fan. I just wanted to let you know about Mark. My question was sort of uh, passed about when Tim mentioned uh, JOK, I call him JOK, I can't say his last name. Um, in, in the Our Lads book, he's, he's listed as an outside linebacker and along with Aziz Ojolari, of which I both like both those players. But the question is, then under defensive ends, they have Quiddy Pay ranked high, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Owe, and Gregory Rousseau as defensive ends. What, what, where does the edge come in? I'm confused on who's an outside linebacker, who's a defensive end, who's an edge. What, what, what is it? I can, I can answer that. Um, I, I know there's the confusion because you don't want to classify players four, three defensive end, three, four outside linebackers. So for the last couple of years in any things I've done, mock draft, composite rankings, whatever, I just generally call them edge rusher. If you have them in a position where they're going to rush the passer, Again, four three base D end or three four base outside linebacker. That's where I go with edge rusher. Maybe that's kind of where I feel like the more modern distinction is kind of coming in. So I, it's kind of surprising that they would kind of list Ojolari like that, but not include him in the defensive end group. Because the more I've thought about it, the more I think he can play four three defensive end than I thought about a month ago. Right. And one other question: Do you all think that uh, Gregory Rousseau? who's listed as a defensive end, but I think he's an edge. Do you think he would be uh, valid at 26? I'll go ahead. Um, he is your traditional defensive end, like his size, you know, like 6'7", 270, if I, I'm remembering that correctly. And then if you look at uh, a guy like the Notre Dame kid who you mentioned, J JKO, um, he – the size is completely different, right? So that's how an easy way to make the distinction, like just – look at the size and say, okay, is this guy closer to Miles Garrett's size or a safety size? So as for Russo's tape, he, I think he has a chance to be a decent defensive end in this league, but he would not be a, a week one contributor on this Browns roster at all. He is slow side to side. He's awkward, still kind of grown into his body. He played receiver like three years ago in high school. Um, he's still got a ways to go, but he's getting hyped because of the 15 sacks in 2019. And he got a lot of those playing actually defensive tackle and going against slower guards and centers. So it's a, his numbers are a bit skewed, which is pushing him up. When you watch the tape, I wouldn't go anywhere near him, especially in the first round, but I, I get the upside cause you can't teach six, seven. You know, what's weird about this draft is I, I think about this all the time. There are so many guys that actually did not play last year that are getting drafted. And uh, a guy will come back for his last year, whether it be his junior year or his senior year, 
And that final year usually makes or breaks his draft status, right? I mean, a guy either all of a sudden puts himself on the NFL map or all of a sudden he just like drops. And it's just so weird because we don't know what these guys would have done. And it's, it's, and there are plenty of guys in this category, the, the Greg Rousseau's, the Joe Tryon's, they didn't play last year and, or some of them maybe played a little bit. And it's just a really weird way to draft, which probably brings us back to Ellis's original point. Trade out of the first round. <laughs> blind, blind. Like everybody else is in the same position. Like, what's the, like, why would anybody be like, oh, reduce, it's the reduce draft. Your, reduce your risk. No, I know, but who's going to come up and no, take kidding. your risk? Why do you, Some, like. It only takes one. So there are, the, the these edge guys at 26, a lot of them make me nervous. The two Miami guys and Jason Oway from Penn State, especially, who are like in that range in the 20s are three guys who are like, I guess they're athletes. I have no idea if they're good at football and I have no interest in any of them. There is a range of like kind of athletic pass rushers that is my least favorite thing for them to do at 26. And then I'd be all in favor of trading out if that's where they're thinking. But I don't think they are. But there was a time where it just was like, there were a lot of edge projections for the Browns that I didn't like at all. I'm thinking I find fa- not even as not even Aziz. You now, don't Aziz, like Aziz. I don't think I, I put in that classification. I think Aziz is is more legit. But also, I I don't know that he's going to get to twenty six. But I would I, to your point, Mary Kay, I would not include him. It's the two Miami guys and the Penn State guy. The thing I find interesting about Rousseau, and I'm probably I'm breaking my own rule when I say like when I say that I liked him in the first round until his pro day happened. I don't normally judge a lot on athletic metrics and testing necessarily unless you test poor, unless you do not test as advertised. And that's, that's something that's a little worrisome. You know, he had a full year plus to train, you know, you kind of worry when a guy is not, doesn't have the three cone time, the short shuttle time, which I think is more important than we give credit for, especially when you look at things like relative athletic score, which is the new spark um, in this year's draft. But what I think is interesting about Rousseau and you mentioned Jason Owe, it's kind of fascinating that when you talk about these fringe one, Round one, round two defensive ends. One had 15 and a half sacks in 2019. The other didn't have a sack, one sack in 2020. I, I want to add to uh, the Rousseau, Rousseau point of, on his pro day. I saw those numbers and then went and watched his pro day because I didn't understand them either. And it was ugly. He's, and I, these are kids and anyone can become something in this league, but I'm just saying right now he's stiff. He's upright. He's got no change of direction ability. I agree with him. Like pro days are a bit overrated, but when you can just see it at the pro day, that is a big red flag. Okay. Three hands up. We're going to get through these and then we're, we're going to call it, but I, I have been a little busy Googling Mark Wilson here. Now that, now that I've learned this information, but Mark, I think I found a baseball card of you in like 1992, a GM baseball card with that. Is that, is that a real thing? All right, let's go to Terry Richards. He'd ha- he's had his hand up. Uh, you can go ahead and unmute when you're ready. Everybody has made points that I thought of at one point. Let's trade out. Let's get that fifth-year option. It's led me to believe that I got way too much time on my hands. It's also kind of got me thinking, I think as fans, and even you guys that cover the Browns, we've been looking for saviors in the draft for so long. I think it's going to take us a few years to realize that the picks they make, the moves, the trades, the not trades – aren't necessarily based on getting on the field tomorrow. And I think it just, this regime is different than anybody else that's been here. I think they've got plans on, we want 
guys at this position that are this old that make this much money. And I think it's going to be harder than ever for us to look ahead and think of what the Browns are going to do in the draft because they're just doing things that we haven't seen. And I mean, out here in Arizona, I always joke that the Browns would always make their first pick before I had to eat dinner. <laughs> well, now we're way down in the bottom where you are really at the mercy of what the rest of the league does. So I think it's, it's going to be harder than ever for us to really put a thumb on what's going to happen with the draft. And the non-draft item that Bud kind of teed up, they're in the Bay Area. I'm in Arizona. The Browns go to SoFi Stadium this year. Vaccine and virus willing. There should be some kind of meet and greet because there will be an army of Browns fans descending <laughs> on SoFi Stadium whenever that game is played. And at some point, you got to figure out how to get all of this Zoom into a live room if they're letting you guys travel out, especially when you come out here and the weather's lovely. And um, just wanted to hear your thoughts if that had ever been proposed or if it's something that might be proposed. Because I know there's already three Pacific, you know, Pacific time zone people on this call. And I guarantee there's going to be about 20,000 of them in Los Angeles if we're allowed to go. Well, here's, here's what I'm hearing, Terry. We have permission, if we can turn this into an event, to fly out to Los Angeles like two weeks early. That's, that's how I'm hearing. That's how I'm choosing to, to take that information. That you know, We'll make some event out of it, and I can spend two weeks out in L.A. What if the Browns make two trips to SoFi Stadium this year? Or I guess it wouldn't be this year. I guess the, the next one would be in February. We'll rent the Rams draft room and just all kick it there. <laughs> Actually, no, that, we, we have done live events, obviously, in Cleveland uh, pre-pandemic. But, yeah, I mean, that's actually a good idea. That, that, that's one yeah. that, that we're going to have to put away because – We would uh, do it. We'll, we'll come out a little yeah, early. It would be a lot of fun. Come, yeah, out on like, Friday, come out on Friday night. Yep, I love the idea. We'll and I, I know Bud's, Bud's got his Browns backers crew out there. Come out on Friday night, Mary Kay. <laughs> on record here. No, no, no. We got to get out. We got to adjust to the time zones. We got we to gotta make sure we're out there early. Oh, earlier than Friday? Okay. Yeah, can't yeah. be jet lag. <laughs> All right. Sounds uh, good. That, that, that's also an interesting point, too, Terry, about, you know, adjusting expectations to the draft. Because even last year, we were thinking about who are the Browns going to take that's going to be a starter at number 10. And this year, we're debating if they even need to take somebody at, at number 26. Okay, two more here. Buckeye follower has been waiting patiently. We'll go to uh, Buckeye follower here. When you get that unmute notification, you can go ahead and do that. And fire away. Okay. Um, I, I just, uh, we, we need speed in that defense. So uh, it's so glaringly deficient uh, from last year's Kansas City game. Uh, who are the players? Is it that uh, Notre Dame linebacker? And uh, who are the, some of the cornerbacks that uh, will, will help uh, close that uh, speed uh despair disparency that uh we seem to have I, yeah i mean i can't argue with that speed was definitely an issue and I, I mean i mentioned watching that kansas city game that wasn't a great defense necessarily but being there in person you saw how fast that defense really was and, and the browns defense just wasn't that and i think that's been i mean that's a priority for this regime 
as far as speed is concerned, trying to add speed across the board, but especially on that defensive side of the ball. Anyone with anything specific Tim. to add there? We, I know we've talked Tim, about a couple some, of these guys already. Give us some fast guys on defense. I mean, Owusu Koromo is another guy. I We've talked about him a bunch, about his speed. Um, Baron Browning's got great speed at linebacker as well. In a bigger frame, of course, more prototypical linebacker speed. The secondary is interesting. We talked about Asante Samuel Jr. at corner. If they want to go safety again, um, I'm going through my draft guide here trying to find the actual numbers, so forgive me. Yeah, Asante Samuel just poured it a sub 4-4. Greg Newsom, a sub 4-4-40. Both those guys can add speed. and si- In the case of Newsom, he can add size and speed, which obviously is ideal. You want the best of both worlds, and he's got size and ball skills, which is why he's a first-round pick. Safety, I'd, I'd be interested if they wanted to solve the linebacker issue by getting a bigger safety. And a guy I absolutely love in day three, Dan's, I've talked about him with Dan a lot, Divine Diablo of Virginia Tech. 6'3 safety. When you watch him play, when you look at his measurables, he screams Cam Chancellor clone. Looks like Cam Chancellor, plays like Cam Chancellor. I'm, I don't know if he'll be Cam Chancellor 2.0, but. If you want to have speed, might have a, guy, a safety move down the linebacker. We, and obviously you guys have written a lot about Joe Woods, how he wants to play multiple safeties. Maybe he's a guy who one day becomes that linebacker safety hybrid is like a later round option. No, I'm just wondering, are they getting a pro bowler in the sixth round? Is that the deal? They're going to draft the safety in the sixth round. Is it going to be like a Hall of Famer? I'm on board for that. Hey, Tom Brady, went, Tom Brady went 199, baby. Although I just looked up Cam Chancellor, he went in the fifth round. So, so maybe yeah. Tim's right. See, and Diablo could go, I think, as high as late third, maybe fourth rounder. I'd spend a, I'd spend an early fourth on him. He's, he's honestly, I, no matter who picks him, I think he's going to be great fit for a lot of teams. I just love watching him play football. He's, it's just so much fun. I recommend watching his highlight tape on YouTube if you have a chance. It is a blast. Yeah, Tim, I'm going to text you after this. I've got a, I've got some tape to watch now. All right, Hayden's going to bring us home here. <laughs> All right, so back to when we started with the whole corner discussion, how we want to fix that. Um, there are there are a couple ways you can do it. Obviously, draft, how we talked about. Trade for a guy like Stephon Gilmore. There is still a couple guys in free agency there I would consider over a first-round pick that may not be any good at all. There's a Casey Hayward, Richard Sherman, Steven Nelson. I mean, heck, Jason McCourty is still good at age 34. Guarantees a little old. But there are a couple ways you can still fix this. You can still draft a corner and have him sit behind one of these veterans and kind of be brought in to that defense when that old corner is gone. And then he can step in and replace. Yeah, I'm not, not against uh, – I, 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 there are – I was looking at that. I mean, there are a couple names out there. And, and not all the corners still out there in free agency are in their 30s. There's some guys in their late 20s that you could – you could find an answer, right? That it's and and you don't need an all pro there. I don't think Richard Sherman's going to be a Brown, but like if we're just getting a bunch of old famous guys, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's important to keep in mind with the draft to the secondary market of veterans that happens if a team drafts a player in a position that they already have a surplus, and one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden you have a guy who's unexpectedly cut. I have no examples or. or prospects for that because it's unpredictable but that it's just these things happen each year in the league and the browns have a front office that are going to be all over moves like that you know let's not forget the browns added malcolm smith what august yeah exactly 20 some somewhere in like the 20s in august 
And last year was a little strange, but I do think this year, again, if everything remains virtual, if these teams don't get on the field, we might not see as much roster turnover again, right? You might not, you know, because guys aren't going to be on the field necessarily getting exposed to someone that, oh, you know what, maybe we don't want that guy around anymore or getting hurt. So some of these veteran free agents might kind of hang around a little bit longer if they don't get signed. And maybe you'll see them add another impact guy. Because, I mean, Malcolm Smith was one of Andrew Berry's best signings last year. It's good enough that they brought him back, even at his age. And they didn't trade for Ronnie Harrison until September 3rd. Right. right. So, uh, you know, this could continue on a little bit as, as things change in, in training camp. And the Browns once cut Joe Hayden on August 30th. And the Steelers picked him up that late. So, like, there is <laughs> – I do think in the end, right, Mary Kay, by the time they play their first game, they will have added – to outside corner yes in a somewhat substantial way yes whether it's a first round pick or some veteran they can't just stick with denzel greedy and whatever else they have no they can't i mean just from the standpoint alone that you are dealing with a very mercurial shoulder situation for greedy right i mean you you know the nerve damage it's firing now and good for him and he's making good progress but you just cannot put all your eggs in that basket with that shoulder injury. And then there are a lot of other factors too, but just from that standpoint alone, you've got to be covered. I think that's everything then. I think we've kept everyone here long enough. Uh, Mary Kay getting a shout out for using the word mercurial from uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that one. I could barely even say it. That's how impressive that one, that one was. Uh, so Terry with the shout out there, uh, appreciate everyone for jumping on oh, wait, here. Dan, you- wait, one thing real super yes. quick. I said, I would share that sort of oh, weird yeah. thing. So let me do that real quick. We're going to go another hour after this? No, no, I'm just, just we're not going <laughs> to talk about it. I'm going to give you guys something to think about uh, for the next time we talk. But I would think about drafting a running back uh, that, you, that you might think, I mean, you, you're going to have to pay Nick Chubb a whole bunch of money in an extension. I would think about drafting a running back of the future and sort of see where that takes you. Controversial, I know, but... I think it's something to at least think about. I'm all for drafting players in, in rooms where you already are solidified. I'm all for it. And I mean, and I, I'll add my one thing here too. I think they could draft Baker's long-term backup here as well. I'm on board for like a fourth round quarterback that you say, come be with this guy in this room. Cause they're paying, they're not going to keep paying case Keenum seven millions of dollars, $7 million of you to not do anything. I think right. that's on the table as well. Mm-hmm. If I would have said that, you know how much trouble I'd be in right now? <laughs> well, I'm we, glad you didn't I'm glad you didn't quantify it as saying first round because it popped the weird vision popped in my head somehow. Roger Goodell saying the Browns have selected Travis Etienne. And I'm like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. That would and be by, one of the only situations. I'm, no, we're just at the end of the podcast, the last 30 seconds, we're replacing Nick Chubb and Baker. Baker. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. That's all. That's no all. big deal. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you all next time. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, we do appreciate everyone for jumping on here. And of course we appreciate all of you uh, being our subscribers. A lot of you have been at this with us for a long time. So we certainly appreciate you guys sticking with us. I've seen Shannon down there watching along. I know he's, he's one of the OGs as the kids like to say uh, he, he's been around for a while, but of course, I know there's other folks on here that have been around for a long time already with uh, football insider. So we appreciate you guys doing this. That'll be it for us for the whole crew. I'm Dan and we will talk to all of you guys later.